The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the hosts and the guests. Hello, and welcome to Two Millennials, One Podcast. I'm your host, Abby Richmond. And I'm Ethan Gable. And this is episode 24. Your episode 24. <laughs> and conveniently, this episode is about hate. Don't hate. As usual, make sure to subscribe and give us thumbs up and things like that that all YouTubers say in their intros, um, but we're not YouTubers. Anyways, do all those lovely things. Also, be on the lookout on, I think I'm going to do it on Spotify. I might do it on YouTube, but a playlist called Two Millennials One Playlist of all of the songs that we've been recommending. Perfect. So look for that near where you're listening to this podcast. As I stated in the intro, we are talking about hate today. The reason we're talking about hate on a millennial podcast is because by all measures, hate is up in our society. Specifically, the Southern Poverty Law Center, they have found that there are over 950 hate groups in the United States as of 2018. What classifies a hate group? Like what is the definition of such thing? A hate group is a collective of like-minded individuals that have some sort of hatred towards either a race, a type of people, a gender. They coalesce around hating being like who i am that just seems terrible to be known as someone who hates something so much that they made a group about it i don't ever want to hate anything that much other than hate groups can i make a hate group for hate groups i suppose you could that's the beauty of america is if you want to be in a hate group you have the right to do so but like i wouldn't spend my time trashing on them i'd try to like tell them not to be such terrible people so maybe not hate group but maybe like support group or rescue group anonymous hate group transition thing hate groups anonymous <laughs> yeah, yeah so what southern poverty law center keeps track of is the number of hate groups as i said and there are over 950 in the u.s as of right now over 600 of these groups are run by white people 223 approximately are run by black people and i'm going to go ahead and throw this out here when i say 223 black hate groups i'm not talking about black lives matter that is not a hate group we're talking about black separatists. We're talking about people that are lashing out about police killings and think the white people are the devil and that they need to form their own country or kill white people. That is not a prevalent thing as much so as it is on the other side, but that is a group. Those are groups of people that exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's such an important thing to like note is the Black Lives Matter movement is not the opposite of the KKK. Agreed. The KKK and Black Lives Matter, they are not two sides of a coin. Right. With that 950 hate groups in the United States, what's concerning about that is, in total, there is a 4% rise in hate groups since 2016. Obviously, the significance of that is that's when Trump was elected. And they have found that there is a 22% rise in neo-Nazi groups across the United States. That's terrifying. With that, the if this makes you feel any better, the amount of Ku Klux Klan after Obama left office, those groups have declined significantly. And just so that we are completely fair and balanced, because this episode will be mostly about the far-right hate groups, as that is what we encounter most in our society, there are hate groups on the left, 
I'm sitting with a prominent leftist <laughs> right across from me who is definitely not involved with the hate groups. What do they do? Just punch Nazis? Essentially, yes. Okay, but they fight to make sure everyone has equal rights. And so they're not, oh my goodness. Correct, but they are using less than stellar means to accomplish that. Once you have crossed over from using words and now you're threatening people and you're throwing rocks and you're burning buildings. She's rolling her (laughs) eyes at me right now. That constitutes as a hate group. Okay, but they're doing it. Wow, okay, I can see the same arguments that I'm trying to get ready to make could be used from the other side. And I'm glad you're seeing that. Okay. Where you personally think that an anti-fascist is a good thing, because I agree there shouldn't be fascists, but how they go about it, I disagree with. Right. Like, I would never do any of the violent things that they're doing, but their beliefs are, are strong, and I support their belief system. Right. So now you're defending a hate group, just as <laughs> in a minute, we're going to hear from someone that's going to defend Nazis. It's that same thing. You value what the group believes in, you think it's right, and therefore they're not a hate group, but if you step back from it and you don't take a side, then yeah, all of these things are hate groups. But for the most part, these leftist groups are not as prevalent as the right extremist groups that there are now. In fact, in the last 10 years, approximately 74% of extremist murders came from the right-hand side of the political spectrum. So left isn't flawless, but they are definitely less active in the hate realm than the right. It's just that you don't like this side, so you're going to be in this side. To an extent. And that's just how this works, is there's a rise in right-wing extremism and white power and all that stuff. Guess what? The black extremism, this black separatist, those go up. And Mm -hmm. as the right gets stronger, the left gets stronger, and we get more and more polarized. And that's why we are where we're at right now in society is everyone hates each other, and it builds and it builds and it builds. And uh, I don't know where the breaking point is, but this isn't a happy conversation. Mm -hmm. Scary times we're living in. All right, it's time to talk about the hot-button topic of millennials, and specifically white millennials, which we both are, the alternative right or the alt-right. If I say that word to you, what do you think, Abby? I get heated. Alt sounds good because, like, that describes lots of me. You know, my music taste and the way I, like, live my life. But alt-right just means people that are hateful to me. A lot of people feel that way. Uh, What the alt-right is, in case you somehow missed the last two years, it is a conglomeration of the Ku Klux Klan, neo-Nazis, white separatists, white nationalists, white segregationists, neo-Confederates, all of those people grouped together to pursue a common cause, and I guess their end goal is a complete white ethno-state. They want to eliminate, through a variety of means, any other race and just have a whites only party essentially but why like i don't it's it's just skin color we'll come back to why this is happening here in a moment there are a variety of reasons as to why the alt-right has taken off the guy that came up with the title at least and has kind of coalesced these groups together his name's richard spencer and he's an absolute treat he's not quite a millennial he's a little bit older I believe he's in his 40s now, but he coined this term in 2008 in a response to what he said was uselessness of conservatism in a, quote, hyper-racialized world. So basically, what a lot of these people are, are discontent Republicans. And unfortunately, if you go too far to the right, you start getting into this racist aspect. So they're coalescing all these groups together, and you have this, in my opinion, not a great cohort of people. 
Okay, so if you go too far to the right, you become racist and hateful and mean. But if you go too far to the left, you're a hippie. Kind <laughs> of. I don't think that's a clean, clean Okay, but what is someone that is so far left? Like, what happens when you get to the end of the left spectrum? You're a communist. What's wrong with that? We'll, we'll, have, <laughs> we'll have that conversation another day. Continuing, millennials for the most part, and I hear this all the time, we're a very accepting generation. We were on board with gay marriage, transsexuals, that doesn't bother us. However, I just read a Washington Post headline that said the millennials are just as racist as their grandparents. Mm, disagree. I don't know. I mean, the millennials that I come into contact with. Ooh, but like there has been some high key racism that I've noticed at the pool. Some younger kids don't want to interact with kids with different skin colors than them. Somebody has called an Indian kid a terrorist. And I'm like, not even the right area, but that's okay. Whatever. So that's the thing is you live in your bubble and we surround ourselves with good, wholesome people like us. We don't see that, but that's a thing. It's true. The millennials are no different than their baby boomer parents or grandparents. They're just as racist. And the problem and the reasons we don't see this is, for the most part, our current millennial generation is just simply less white than our parents. So why we may seem and like mm. like you think, like, oh, no, we're not racist. The whites that you encounter are just as racist as their grandparents. It's just the effect is not as evident because of just less white people in general. I mean, it's going to be hard to change your entire thought process if all you're ever used to is your parents and your grandparents being racist and showing you and raising you how like these people are bad because I was raised like robbing people is bad so if the same kind of idea is taught that like skin color is a bad trait to have then it's going to be hard to learn a different thing. And that makes for a net effect of millennials as a generation seeming less racist. But if you take all of the non-whites out of that, the whites are just as racist as we always were, which is a bummer. Do you think that eventually there will not be such thing as a white person? I mean, that is the reason we're having this podcast right now. That's the fear of white nationalists. And no, I think that'd be so cool. They don't think so. That's what generates a lot of this talk and this hatred is... There are white people that fear that their race is dying out. As we intermingle with other races more and more and more, there are less white people. As immigration increases, there are less white people. And that bothers a lot of individuals. But how beautiful are biracial people? I mean, that's truly an opinion. Oh my goodness. I'm not going to disagree with you. Yeah. Biracial? Cool. I have no problem with that at all. But a lot of white people... That's their identity, white identity, and they watch the amount of white people decrease and they hear these stats on the news about by 20 blah, 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 white people will be the minority. That worries people. I would love, I know that I probably won't be around for this, but like I would love to see a world in which it's hard to distinguish from what country you're from. Like that would be so cool because then you wouldn't have to worry about separating people and categorizing them and you could just live your life. And what you said just made conservatives everywhere cringe. They don't like the idea of, oh, it doesn't matter what country you're from. People that have hardcore pride in America or mm -hmm. hardcore pride in being white, mm -hmm. they hate you right now. That's another thing I don't understand with the whole immigration thing that's currently going on is everyone is complaining about these immigrants because they're fleeing a country that isn't good. How did you white people get here? Why did you... <laughs> 
<laughs> why are you here in the first place? It's because you didn't like what was going on in your original country. You didn't start in America. Correct. So why are you complaining about other people doing it? And you can say that to them all day, and we'll get into this more, but they're not going to accept that. They view white people as supreme. Read what is written on Lady Liberty's... They don't care. <laughs> they will die for America, but they don't care about that. White people, they believe, are genetically superior than any other race. So why can't they come to this country as well to flee persecution? It's because they're not as good as white people. This mm. should be a white-only country. They will say that to you. They're going to disregard all of that common sense stuff you're telling me right now. Mm. White people get sunburned. <laughs> That's not superior. <laughs> Where you're coming from, I totally get, but that's not going to register at all with someone that is far right. Just like you're far left and I start saying that stuff to you and you uh -huh. shut me down immediately, they're going to do the same thing to yeah, you. Yeah, yep. It's hard. Yeah. This is absolutely a hard conversation to have. You can't convince anybody. All right, so why did alt-right happen? Why is this a movement? There has always been Ku Klux Klan or neo-Nazis. That's not anything new but what has allowed this to happen, this alt-right thing, is in large part due to the internet. The internet, we talk about it all the time, is almost an inherent evil. It is so easy to dehumanize when you never have to face a person. Mm -hmm. When you type F the Jews on YouTube and you grow a little harder in your heart, that's how hate's born. You just, you don't have to face that. Whereas you and I, and we intermingle, we talk to black people and Jewish people, and we know these, and they're just humans to us. If you're hiding behind your screen all day and your school's 98% white, that breeds this this hatred. It's easy to hide behind a screen and not have to face it. Mm -hmm. I mean, kids at our school struggle with that. We used to be a predominantly white, not even just our high school. Like I remember in middle school, we had two black kids in my grade and that was it. And so like those were the only different people that I came into contact with. And when the influx of like Congolese people came in, so many people had something to say about it. You'd hear people complain about it all the time in hallways and in classes. And they'd get frustrated when they were speaking French instead of English and that we don't understand. But how do you think they feel? Sure. Other things that have put this into motion, this alt-right has really been emboldened by the election of Trump, and you can feel however you want about Trump, but I won't even go out and say he's a racist. A lot of people will. I will. <laughs> yeah, a, a lot of people will, but he has not put his foot down on a lot of sketchy, slightly racist or racially tinged things, and the alt-right thinks he is a hero. They love that, that they can go out and they can mow someone down during a protest, and Trump's like, they're good people on both sides. They love that because their group of all of these extremists is legitimized. Trump has legitimized yeah. the alt-right. He's not doing anything to stop this. He's creating a safe space for people to cultivate hatred. That is our current president. He is making it okay and making people feel safe, like I said, to just bash on other people for their skin color or for their belief systems or for their religion. I didn't think that's where our country should be headed. Like, I thought our country was supposed to be a melting pot and a safe haven, and that's not even what it is right now. We're headed in the opposite direction. Uh, another thing to point out here, I think a lot of times, probably Abby and I included, when you're not really involved in this hate conversation, we like to think a lot of times that the people that are racist and hate black people are backwards and live in trailers out in the woods and get off my lawn, I hate Obama. 
there is a lot of that, but this alt-right is a different animal entirely because a lot of the people that are involved in the alt-right are super educated. They, I wouldn't say wealthy, but they, they have means. They have gone to college. They maybe aren't even that religious. A lot of atheists are in the alt-right. This is a different brand. This culmination has produced and captured a lot of people that you typically wouldn't associate with being a white nationalist or being a racist. And that's that's unique. I don't think that typically happens in hate groups. So we've talked about a little bit of this already, but let's talk about why. Why is the alt-right exploding? Why is this picking up people right and left? Why are you marching down the road with someone in a, a Klansman robe? Why is that happening? The main one that I could find, and this is what most articles say about this, is economics. And we go back to this a lot on the millennial podcast, but there are a lot of white people that are poor right now and they don't have a lot. And they see the government doing things like affirmative action and letting people into college based on race opposed to merit. And all of these things or even an immigration coming into the country based on race instead of merit. And for whatever reason, these white kids that you may feel have been privileged this whole time are not being privileged any longer, and that causes a lot of resentment towards other races. I mean, you've alluded to before, I interview a prominent white supremacist, and I'm going to play that in a moment. That's exactly what he's going to tell you. When I ask, why are people joining the alt-right? The first thing he says, if you're poor, and you don't have a job, and you need some direction, boom, there's the alt-right. You can have identity and pride in your race. That's a group. We'd like to belong. Because it's, it's human nature to want to be included in something, and so if they don't have any other groups to get involved in. I just read an article about why so many atheists are in the alt-right. It's because they don't have a religious group. They don't have anything to belong to. Because if you're atheist, like, you're, I mean, that's wow. it. So it attracts That makes atheists. so much sense psychologically. And that's the problem is, you may not have a racist or anti-semitic bone in your body but if you're truly lonely and in a bad place economically and you don't know who to turn to it's easy to fall into those things Mm -hmm. that's what they do they aim for that they want to grow this movement the amount of times i've read on the internet in the last week about a second civil war like we're almost to that place oh yeah and that's what they want they want to grow their coffers and with a bunch of white people to take on the blacks and the hispanics and this it's sad that i'm even saying this but that's their goal They want to recruit people for this movement. Okay, that would be such a hard thing to do because where are you going to draw the line? It's not like one state. Well, I mean, I don't feel like one state is specifically for or against a side. How is this going to happen? Just every state revolts against itself? Missouri going to become a country kind of situation? I don't think it'd even work like that. I mean, look at Missouri specifically. You have St. Louis and Kansas City and Columbia being big liberal hubs yeah. and the rest of the state conservative hubs. If it breaks down between right and left or white and black or whatever, that's a whole state ripped apart there. That's going to be almost every state. But it's not even like... A geographic half or anything. It's not. That's because those three points are literally in a triangle. And so what's going to happen? There's no clean way to do it. It's not like 1860. We're splitting this along the Mason-Dixon line. That doesn't work like that. This would just be pretty much the end of the United States. All-out warfare against your neighbor. It would be a mess. That's terrifying. Absolutely. And that's why I shudder when you're like, Antifa's not bad. Like We need to back, no offense, but we need to back away from that. We need to get away from the alt-right. We need to get away from Antifa. We need to be in the middle and be friends with each other. Their belief system isn't bad. And you can believe that. But their actions are bad. Agreed. And we need to distance ourselves. <laughs> if we could move back to the center, I know that's a bunch of bullcrap that phrase is, but legitimately, we need to pipe down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
yeah. Groups of people aren't inherently evil. If you hate black people, whatever, but don't go bomb a church or something. Yeah. Keep that crap to yourself, man. Like, you don't have to expunge those beliefs. That's what drives me literally bonkers. I mean, just like an individual person, like, you don't go up to them and say, like, hey, you're annoying and I hate you. Please make sure you stay away from me. You can't do that. Engaging with people you hate does nothing. Just avoid them. Exactly. The, the, the worst thing you can do to someone is ignore them. The opposite of love is apathy. Just be apathetic towards wow. them. <laughs> it's true, though. But yeah, no, I agree. It's true. Don't hate. Just be apathetic. There are people I cannot stand on this earth, but I would never engage with them. I just ignore them. Put that on a t-shirt. Don't hate. Just be apathetic. We should. <laughs> we should. Oh, I'm done pontificating for a moment. Wow, you're full of good words today. Thanks, dude. Some other reasons why the alt-right is just rolling right now. Some of it truly is just people that troll and they post their Pepe memes and they just think this is funny and they're kind of like, I like to watch the world burn type of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, other things, and I am trying to research this now. Maybe you have some insight for me. This incessant hating of the Jewish race and Jewish people. I don't get it, but that really fires people up. I have literally not a single instance in my entire life come into contact with that, ever. With people that hate Jewish people? Yeah. I would not know that still exists if there weren't things like neo-Nazis. Sure. And uh, we'll play the neo-Nazis interview here in a moment, and he'll give us some insight on that. And then finally, as I alluded to before, uh, there are whites that just feel that being white, that identity is disappearing and it's going quick. And that's true. I mean, the United States is changing and they want to hold on to that. And unfortunately, the only way they feel they can, instead of just being like, I'm going to find a white wife, they're like, ah, we need a white ethno state. Find your identity in something other than your skin color. Wise words. All right. So (laughs) as I stated, I was able to conduct an interview with a rather renowned white nationalist earlier this week. And I'm going to go ahead and play that for you now. Shortly after deciding to do an episode on the topic of hate, I knew that I wanted to attempt to interview a prominent white nationalist that was rumored to live in the same area of the country as Abby and me. I reached out to him in May, and to my surprise, we had an interview scheduled for early July. My name is Alex Linder. I consider myself a white nationalist, if you want to call that a movement. And I've been involved in that for probably about 18 years, I suppose. It takes a five-second Google search to discover that Alex Linder is indeed a white nationalist. As the Southern Poverty Law Center puts it, he is a, quote, foul-mouthed but natalie-dressed neo-Nazi and, quote, the operator of the gutturally racist website Vanguard News Network. And you are the proprietor and owner, I assume, of Vanguard News Network? Yes, although I have not written for that for over probably 10 years. I still keep a forum going for old people, but the main thing I've done the last seven or eight years is uh, record audiobooks, actually. If you search this man on YouTube, you can turn up a video from 2007 at a rally protesting interracial crime in Knoxville, Tennessee. In this video, Mr. Linder stands in a suit, aggressively shouting the N-word into a microphone. We had a big event in Knoxville where these blacks just utterly viciously murdered uh, these these white kids. You can also find articles detailing his arrest for disorderly conduct at a similar rally a few weeks before the video was recorded. Needless to say, I was a bit apprehensive to have him appear on our podcast. And although I fundamentally disagree with the majority of the things he said during the interview, I found him surprisingly cordial, even friendly. He joked about the obnoxious humidity in northern Missouri 
and reminisced about an internship he had doing research for Evans and Novak, a political discussion show that aired on CNN from the late 80s to the early 2000s. I just did research for him, and uh, I dealt a little more with Roland Evans, who was kind of an old mainline from Philadelphia, a real nice guy. And uh, <laughs> I'd go buy him lunch and bring him a beer, and he'd be like, don't tell anybody. He, he was a super, super, uh, super cool guy. I formally began the interview by asking him about the alt-right. I wanted to know his definition of the movement and whether he was involved. I don't call myself alt-right. I call myself white nationalist. Alt-right, I guess you'd say the heart of it is white nationalism. Otherwise, it doesn't mean much. Now, I could go on for an hour and explain to you the origins of that. I won't, but it came from an idea from a Jew, Paul Gottfried. Richard Spencer is the main guy who create, coined or popularized alt-right. But if it means anything, it means white nationalism. And since I was a white nationalist since back in 2000, I prefer uh, to call myself that. But uh, it's a lot of the same idea, maybe a little different style, maybe a little broader scope for the alt-right, since it doesn't explicitly mention race, but mostly the same concerns fair to say. Here's the problem with alt-right and, and the, the racial stuff. You get into alt-right, it's not, I don't particularly like the term. I don't really see a need. What white nationalism means, you want a white nation. You want an all-white nation. It's clear, it's straightforward, it's neutral, it's not mistakable. Now, the media will go on and on about white supremacy, but that's a red herring. You know, it, it, how I feel or how anyone who calls himself a white nationalist feels about whites, that is irrelevant, whether we think they're superior or inferior or what, we want to live in an all-white nation uh, for <laughs> whatever our reasons are. And that's against what the powers that be seek. So anyway, Spencer had a conservative background, so I can't really, I, I, I'm not fully sure. I don't know Spencer personally. I know people who know him, but I have just sort of been out of it for or doing my own thing for the last few years. They invited me to go out to Charlottesville, but I, I didn't. Charlottesville. He was referring to the Unite the Right rally held in Virginia in the summer of 2017. That rally tragically left a counter-protester dead. Mr. Linder continued. There, there wasn't really much activism after, if you look that up, 2007 on, but then in the last few years, it started to regenerate, and it comes from a different perspective. These kids that you're talking about, I think the main, your, your concern is, I was the last sort of pre-meme generation, I guess, driven by Reddit and the Chan. Graphics, uh, I, I used, I come from a literary background, H.L. Mencken and satire and uh, intellectual conservatism, and I don't particularly like graphics or video and using them myself. I don't even like TV videos. I like when other people do them, but I like to do podcasts and people listen to what I'm saying and form their own conclusion. But the new thing that arose was graphics on, on, on the chans and memes and the frog, the Pepe and that stuff. But it's the same ideas. It's the same ideas. And the reason that they, they spread is because they're valid. I'm, I actually came up with the law. I mean, Coulter and others kind of use it now. Of course, they would never credit anyone who they're afraid of being associated with. But I was the first to observe, as far as I know, that if you look in the comment section of any publication, the readers, the actual consumers, are always to the right side of the editors and the producers. And that shows you there's a huge gap in this country between what you're allowed to say in public and what people actually believe. And Trump, who understands that to some degree, hence his attacks on the media that hate him, Trump is the first one to provide kind of a proxy leadership for that group of people, which is basically whites who want to see white interests represented. And that's really all white nationalism is. You know, all these other groups are looking out for themselves. No one is looking out for whites. I next asked him why he felt millennials were being drawn into white national movements like the alt-right. If you're young and you're white, what options do you have in this society? 
I mean, you're you're everywhere. You're portrayed as an idiot. At best, you're portrayed as a bumbling idiot. You see, you see men and fathers and family. Can you even have your own family? Well, you can have a family as long as the woman is happy. The minute she's unhappy, she can run to family court. She can divorce you for no reason. And the judge, you know, 85, 90% of the time is going to give her the kids, going to give her the house that you got with your money, et cetera, et cetera. So they've seen people go through this. That's one aspect. They see themselves abused in the media. Why wouldn't they be rebels and revolutionaries? Why wouldn't they join something that looks out for their own interest and, frankly, sticks up for the actual facts about things? That's what drives these people into it. Even if they're not white, they see like, my God, these people lie about everything. If we went to a vote and we said, hey, should we bring in dozens, if not hundreds of these literally not even 70 IQ people from the middle of Africa to live in Kirksville, who would vote for that? No one except a few deluded Christians. And some of them are being paid for that. And that is going on all around the country. So you say, if you want a white future, you you want to live in a country that's not a third world country, of course you're going to be all right or white nationalist. That's why a young white man seeing that, what does this world have for me? I can be a consumer and a third-rate citizen who's below coloreds and even below women who has no rights, who can found a family, but there's absolutely no guarantees because he has no rights in court. I can sit around playing video games or maybe I can be a hero in real life and join a cause that actually offers something to me. And that's the appeal of it. And that's why it will inevitably grow, no matter what you call it. It did not take long, however, for me to realize that everything that the Southern Poverty Law Center wrote about Mr. Linder being an anti-Semitic neo-Nazi was accurate. No matter the question, Mr. Linder always circled back to Jews. How they control the media, how they control the government, how they control the monetary system, and how they were using liberals, blacks, and Christians to achieve, quote-unquote, white genocide. The Jews and, and the ones who work with them who control the mass media, which I used to work in in D.C., literally right across from the White House, they see all white people as Hitler. You know? And we, in the, we white nationalists, whatever, we make a lot of distinctions among ourselves, and we mock the conservatives as conservatives. To them, there's no difference between Trump and Bill O'Reilly and Hitler. They're all Hitler. In fact, that's what Jews actually believe. And that's the reason they want to stamp out whites as an actual genetic group. And yeah, it's absolutely Jews control the media and the politics. They control the teachers' colleges, and they, they, they push their agenda onto these kids, and they tell, they tell these education majors, oh, you're going to be a change agent. They have no idea what agenda they're serving. He also took a moment to deny the Holocaust. Look into it. Look into the Holocaust. Look into the actual claims and see if you can verify that gas was used anywhere. You can't. You can verify that, yeah, they, these Jews had a lot of vermin on them, and they, they, uh, they were trying to prevent the spread of, uh, what is it, typhus by killing the fleas on their clothes. So yeah, it was used for that. So there was gas, but it wasn't used to gas people in, in places with wooden doors. I mean, the minute you start looking at it intellectually, it falls apart. They're relying on people be, being too fearful. Oh, you're a Holocaust denier. And that scares 99.9% .9 of whites. I thank Mr. Linder for giving us an interview. And although we in no way support his worldview, we understand that speech, even hate speech, is protected by the U.S. Constitution. Do you have any thoughts on the interview there, Abs? Okay, so I was just going to sit here and listen and just, like, digest everything that he was saying. But as you know, I struggled to stay quiet, and I had something to say, and I just found a lot of the interview aggravating, especially when he talked about 
anything alluding to the fact that women were inferior and like a nuclear household should remain what is normal and that women shouldn't be able to like divorce their husbands if they're not happy. I don't think that that's okay. But that's all part of his narrative and he truly believes this. He thinks that Jews are allowing families to fall apart so white nuclear families like you said disassemble and whites lose their identity it's a planned obsolescence of white people by the jewish race and he believes that fully we've just come so far as human beings and as a country and as females we've fought for our own rights we've fought to be able to maybe be the breadwinners of the family and maybe not even have to have a family like what if i want to be an independent woman and not even marry like we have come so far from what america and couples used to be that i don't understand why anyone is trying to retrogress and that's the common theme if you are a white nationalist chances are not only do you hate black people and Jews and any other race, you also hate women. You also hate gay people. You yeah. hate trans. You hate everyone. Unless you are a white male, that's it. Yeah. And I don't know why, and I can't explain why people believe that, but that does not seem fulfilling to me. And I'll even go as far as saying, if Jews do control the media, and I'm sure we're going to be accused of being Jews if people listen to this, <laughs> but if they really do control everything, what does it matter? I am living a perfectly happy life, not yeah. hating anything or yeah. anybody. I'm just trying to pay my water bill and like live my life. There's no point. Why? Why do we go down these paths of hating people? If they controlled the media, how do things like this man's website or anything that he produces, how do those get... Well, that's the thing is he'll tell you about how the government shuts him down and pulls oh. his plugs and okay. they have an answer for it all. It's wisely constructed. And he told me to go look stuff up. And I did. For all I can tell, most of what he told me is accurate. He was like, do you know Martin Luther? He was a crazy anti-Semite. And I was like, Martin Luther, the guy that created Protestantism, the guy that left the Catholic Church and changed everything. There's no way he hated Jews. Look that up. That dude hated Jews legitimately. So what he does is he weaves in facts into this narrative. That's why mm -hmm. I'm calling it a narrative. I don't think it's legitimate. But he backs it up. Yeah, to have just enough truth in a story to make Absolutely. everything else believable. If I was more impressionable, I could have ate that up and been like, my God, he's right. That's what makes... White power. Yeah, that's what makes some public speakers so good is because they know how to manipulate people's minds and that's scary. And that's why I feel like that dude wasted it. He could have been on a stage promoting some awesome thing, but instead yeah. he's like, burn the blacks and burn the Jews. But I mean, that's the same thing that I was saying earlier is that's just your belief system. This is good for him. This is using his talents to the world's benefit. Oh, absolutely. He thinks he's doing a service. He yeah. said he dedicated his career to exposing what jews do wow this country has a long way to go and unfortunately like you said i don't think we're going in the right direction but if i can leave anything on this podcast is we've got to start moving to the center uh, as we talked about earlier you can hate whoever you want i have no problem with that it's a free country but stop running people over with cars stop shooting <laughs> up churches stop burning down forests stop throwing rocks at people that are like yeah trump's awesome that goes for both sides we've got to reel this back yeah. in or we're going to lose our country it's legitimately, if we go into a second civil war, that's it, folks. We're being Neanderthals. Pretty much. We're supposed to be civilized, and we're not We're not being that right Honestly, now. Honestly, just because you drive a car to your hate rally doesn't mean you're any better than what we were thousands of years ago. Absolutely. More forward, less backwards. Less left, less right, more forward. E-L-E. Everyone love everyone. Yes. And that's how we'll end this podcast. You can't end it there. You have to have a song pick of the week. You're exactly right.
Abby, what's your song pick of the week? Summer Shandy by The Front Bottoms. Can't say I've heard that one, but I do appreciate The Front Bottoms. Man, I have been absolutely jamming to them recently. I don't know why. What about you? This week, I'll go with Greek Tragedy by The Wombats. Thank you for checking us out on this episode of Two Millennials One Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed making it. Please check us out next week for another episode. Remember to love everyone. E-L-E.